Well, before getting in the message, we want to do a brief shout out. We want to shout out to Brian Crook, uh, who's been serving on staff here for 15 years, and this is his last weekend working at Nativity. He's going to be moving down south to work at a church there. Uh, so Brian served in a couple different positions here, but he's, over the last few years, been largely responsible for helping us figure out how to use this space, the lights and the technology and the, the cameras and, and all this stuff. So we're very grateful to him. So we want to express that gratitude and invite uh, and then bless him and his wife, Joy, and his daughter, Maddie, as they move to Georgia to work in a church there. So we want to give it up for them. Uh, Brian will be out on the plaza after Mass if you want to uh, wish him well um, personally. Well, we are in the fifth week of our series. We are calling Rebel with a Cause, looking at the towering figure of John the Baptist. And we said we can learn so much from the life of John, but we've been focused on how to live a life of purpose. And we said life is better when we live a life of purpose. There's so many benefits. When we live a life of purpose, our decisions are simpler. If it fits our purpose, we do it. If we don't, if it doesn't, we don't. <clears throat> Um, we have greater resilience in our hearts, greater joy in our hearts when we live a life of purpose. When we live with a sense of purpose, we live with a sense of significance that we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And so we've been talking about all the benefits of living a life of purpose, but this week we do have to acknowledge a little bit that there are some drawbacks to living a life of purpose, that there's some negatives. And of course, I believe the positives outweigh the negatives, but to talk about purpose and not talk about the negative seems uh, dishonest. And so there are some negatives that when you live a life of purpose, you set yourself up for the possibility of, of heartbreak and disappointment. And when you live a life of purpose that you can start to doubt yourself at times. I know in li working at the church and working with other churches through our, our, our organization Rebuilt, there's times I've really doubted myself and like, God, can't, isn't there somebody better than me to do this? And so it sets us up for self-doubt. It, it sets us up for disappointment with other people at times in living a life of purpose. People will let you down. People you thought would be on your team will walk away and almost feel like they betrayed you. And then you'll also experience some disappointment with God. And you'll be like, God, you know, I thought you sent me to do this or I thought you wanted me to do this. And yet things don't, you don't seem to be helping out. <clears throat> so in living a life of purpose, it will, there will be times of disappointment and doubt. And the question is, how do we get through them? And once again, John the Baptist gives us a great example when it comes to dealing with doubt and disappointment and living a life of purpose. So last time we left John, everything was going really well in his life and his ministry. Uh, we talked about how crowds of people are coming out to the desert to hear him preach and teach and be baptized by him. Uh, the crowds are coming out, and then they ask John, what should we do? And, and he, gives them, he tells them what they should do. And then even tax collectors, people who had turned their, <clears throat> people had turned their back on God and religion, were impacted by John and following his instruction. And then even the Roman soldiers, they're impacted by John. And so John's ministry is just going like gangbusters and having an incredible impact. And then things get even better. Because one day, John is in the Jordan River baptizing. And as he's baptizing the Jordan River, up comes Jesus to be baptized. And Jesus steps up and John says, no, 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 I, I can't baptize you. You should baptize me. Jesus says, John, go with it. So John goes with it. He dunks Jesus in the water. He plunges in the water. He brings him out. 
And suddenly the heavens open up and the Holy Spirit comes down and this voice <coughs> and the voice of God the Father says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And John has a front row seat to this. He gets to see this incredible moment and it's an incredible validation for him that his ministry had a purpose, that in pointing to Jesus, he was truly pointing to the Messiah. So John has this incredible moment, but then things do turn after that. You see, John had been preaching against the hypocrisy of the religious and political leaders of his day. Now, the religious leaders, they couldn't really do anything because, you know, what could they have done? Like thrown John out of the temple in the synagogue? He, he wasn't even there. He was out in the desert. But then John starts criticizing the king of the day, King Herod. King Herod was a client king of Rome, which meant he didn't have a ton of power. He only had the power that Rome let him have. But as long as he didn't interfere with Rome and did what they told him to do, he, he could pretty much rule however he wanted. <laughs> well, at a certain point, John starts criticizing Herod. He criticizes Herod because he had married his wife's or his, his, bro his brother's wife. Sorry, let me get that again. Herod had married his brother's wife, Herodias. She had divorced Herod's brother and married him. And John starts criticizing Herod for this. Well, when Herod hears this, he gets upset. And even more importantly, Herodias gets upset and has John thrown in prison. Now, prison's never a great place to be. Not that I have a lot of experience there, but... You know, prison's never a great place to be, but it's even more challenging in that time because John is there thrown into a dungeon. So he would have had very little daylight. He's put in a cage where he could never even fully stand up. He would have had to crouch down throughout the day. He wouldn't have known when he was going to have his next meal. So this is going, you know, John has this experience, and understandably, he starts to doubt. He starts to doubt, so we're told, <clears throat> when John heard in prison of the works of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to him with this question. Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? So John wonders, hey, I've given my whole life to pointing to you, Jesus. I've pointed to you as the Messiah. Did I make a mistake? Was I wrong? Are you the one who is to come? Are you the Messiah, or should we look for another? Jesus, I got a little bit of time left. I, I, I know it's just a matter of time before Herod has me killed. I'm not getting out of this prison. But I still have a little bit of influence. Should I be sending my followers and my disciples to look for someone else? Or are you the Messiah? Jesus, I, I need some encouragement. So John's disciples asked Jesus this question. And Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news proclaimed to them, and blessed is he who takes no offense at him, at me. So sometimes we want a simple answer to a simple question. Are you the Messiah? Yes or no. But Jesus doesn't give a simple answer. He gives a very concrete answer. He talks about all the, the impact he's having, having, these incredible signs the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised. So John's disciples, they go back to John. 
And it would have probably been a couple day journey, a couple days journey. And we can kind of imagine that there's John in his prison cell, crouched down in the dark. And then one day, he hears the, the prison door open up and hears that metal clanging. And he hears somebody coming down the steps. And he's hopeful that it's his disciples who've come back with an answer. And there it is, it's his disciples. And he says, well, what did Jesus say? When you asked him that question, how did he respond? <coughs> and the disciples would have said, well, Jesus told us to tell you that the blind regain their sight, the lame walk, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. And as they were going through this litany, a smile would have broken across John's face. Because Jesus was quoting here the prophet Isaiah. And the prophet Isaiah had said that when the Messiah came, these would all be all the signs and wonders that would take place. And Jesus quoted the prophet Isaiah. Remember, Isaiah was the same one, same prophet that John had taken his life first. That he, he decided, it was, he read that and said, I'm the voice of the one out in the wilderness saying, prepare the way of the Lord. And with these words, Jesus encouraged John's heart. And John would have known his life had had meaning and purpose. So while John's disciples go out to, to speak to him and give this message to him, Jesus turns to the crowds and he says this, what did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Jesus says to the crowds, why did you go all the way out to the desert? Why did you travel miles and miles, about 20 miles, out into the desert through this tough terrain at risk of, of, of being attacked by wild animals and thieves and robbers? Why did you go out there to see a reed swayed by the wind? You know, in other words, someone that just went, goes with the flow, someone who's just going to tell you what you wanted to hear? No. John didn't just go with the flow. He stood against the status quo. And this is the truth about people of purpose. They don't just go with the flow. They stand against the status quo in some way. They stand for something. They maybe don't fight for everything, but they stand for something. So then Jesus continues. He says, then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing? Those who wear fine clothing are in royal places. So Jesus said, you know, did you go out to the desert to see someone living a lavish lifestyle? You know, in our day, we might watch shows like Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, or I guess I date myself with that show, but, you know, I, you know somebody on YouTube, I'm sure there's a YouTube channel out there that you can find where it looks at the lavish lifestyles of the uber-wealthy and, and all their huge mansions and the cars they have and the other toys and, again, the, the, these exotic places and you can go watch that on, on YouTube, right? But in that day, you would go to a royal palace, a royal place. But Jesus said, no, nah, you, didn't, you didn't go out to John because you were hungering for some kind of worldly wealth or to, 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 to increase that desire for worldly wealth in you. You didn't, you didn't go out there because you would have gone to a royal palace to see how the wealthy live. John ate bugs and wore camel's hair, right? What, what did you go out there to see? And he said... Then why did you go out to see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is a, the one about whom it is written. Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. 
he will prepare the way before you. Jesus said, you went out to the desert to see a prophet, to see someone who spoke for God, because that's what prophets do. They speak for God. They show the way to God. They are messengers for God. But Jesus says, John was not just any messenger. He was the messenger sent before the Messiah. In other words, Jesus says, you were going out to John because you hungered for God. And you hungered for somebody to point the way to God, to point the way to Jesus. He continues, Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus says, amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there's none greater than John the Baptist. You see, John, even though he's in the New Testament, in the Gospels, he's really a prophet of the Old Testament. Or maybe a better way to say that, he's a bridge from the Old Testament to the New Testament. From the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. But he, he comes from that old covenant mentality. And so what Jesus is saying is <clears throat> the least and the greatest of heaven, that those who are part of the new covenant, which we are part of, those are the new covenant of God's, of Jesus' blood, what we receive in, in the Eucharist. Those who are part of that new covenant, those who follow him are greater than John. That's why I can say with all confidence that you've been made to be great in God's sight because Jesus says if you, you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you've been baptized, you have the Holy Spirit in you, you are greater than John. And then Jesus says one final word we're going to look at today. And it can be a little bit confusing, but hopefully I'll explain it well to you. He says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And violent men take it by force. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. What what does he mean there? Well, you see, if you're living a life of purpose, if you're living for God's purpose, the work you are doing is about bringing heaven down to earth, about what is bringing about what is good and true and beautiful here to earth. And ultimately, the ways of God's kingdom are going to clash with the ways of this world. That in living a life of purpose, You're going to come against the broken systems and structures of this world that fight against the kingdom of heaven. You're going to get pushback in some way. No matter what your purpose is, if it's for God, there's going to be a clash of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of this world. So maybe your purpose is about reaching the next generation. You want to to see hearts of, of, the, of generations connected, or you want to reach the next generation with the truth of the gospel and There'll be pushback. Maybe you're working for racial reconciliation and unity in the person of Jesus Christ. Maybe your your purpose is about caring for our city and bringing the love of God to our city. Maybe you're a high school student or college student in your 20s, and, and your purpose, you feel like, is you want your generation to be a generation of revival. You want your generation to be one that seeks God in his face. And that's your purpose. 
Maybe your purpose is about building a God-honoring business, that through your business, you would do, your whole business would do things in God's way. Or, or maybe you're trying to bring you know, more, more uh, ethics to your business or be a, a light, a salt and light in a business world or an industry that's very dark. Or maybe it's about bringing healing to our, our a broken world or healing through medical, the medical world. Maybe it's about making Catholic parishes relevant and more, uh, connecting more with their community, whatever it is, that in some way you will suffer in living for God's purpose. At some point, there will be pushback. There will be a fight. You will get punched in the face. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. It suffers pushback. But Jesus says, violent men take it by force. In other words, Jesus says as though people who are living for God's kingdom, they keep on fighting. They don't quit. They don't give up. You see, this is the sad thing, that people start out living a life of purpose for God and his purposes, but when they get punched in the gut, they get punched in the face, when they, there's a setback, they quit. They give up. They lose heart. They become cynical or bitter. And they lead lives of quiet desperation. So the question is, what do we do so we don't give up and live lives of purpose? Let me give you three suggestions. Number one, we do what John did. We go to Jesus. And when we're discouraged, when we're struggling with disbelief or unbelief, we're struggling with doubt, we just... Bring it to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I need you to encourage my heart today. Jesus, give me a word. <laughs> I was reading this morning. <coughs> so I was reading this morning, Psalm 138. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul increased. Right? Jesus wants to increase the strength of your soul, but we have to go to him and ask him to do it. And then maybe he'll give you a word in his scripture. Or maybe you just sit there in quiet and say, Jesus, speak to my heart a word of encouragement. Or you can even ask, you know, Jesus, take, give me a sign today that I'm going in the right direction, that I'm living a life of purpose. God, Jesus, I need you to encourage my heart. It can be like John the Baptist. And I truly believe that's a prayer Jesus will answer. The second, it's important we don't fight these battles on our own, that we have some friends in faith. And that's why it's so important, so why we're so big on small groups here at the parish. We want you to have some friends in faith who can help you when you're struggling to support you in your purpose. And so if you're in a small group, uh, our groups are going to be getting back together in a couple weeks. So it's time to get the band back together. If you're a leader or co-leader, send out that text, send out that email. Hey, we're, we're going to be getting back together. If you're not in a group but would like to get in a group, you can text the word group to 88877, text the word group to 88877, and we'll get you in a group in time for the next message series. So we can go to Jesus like John did. We find friends in faith. Then third, I think, comes just with a resolve in our own heart. We need to resolve that we're not gonna quit. We're not gonna give up. You see, some people, when they 
suffer setback in some way, they quit. They give up. But you and I, we're not going to quit. We're not going to give up on God's purpose for our life. Because we know that God makes all things work together for good for those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. While sorrow may last for the night, the joy comes in the morning. That greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. That while there is a Good Friday, there is an Easter Sunday and the tomb is empty. And that up from the ashes we will rise. By the spirit of God we will rise because death is defeated. Jesus is alive and he's alive in us. And greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. So when you are struggling and you are doubting, Keep on fighting, keep on fighting, keep on fighting. Do not quit. And when you're going through hell, keep going. Let us stand and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words of your son, Jesus, that while the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, that we will keep struggling and fighting. That you promised in this world we will have trouble, but to take heart because Jesus, your son, has overcome the world, that in him we are more than conquerors. And so, God, give us the grace, the resiliency to keep on fighting, to build your kingdom, and believe you have called us for a purpose for such a time as this, to do what only you've given us to do. And may we keep on fighting. God, we pray that you would pour your courage into our hearts, that we may live for you and your kingdom. And we pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for watching. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single video. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples by sharing this video. We're grateful you're part of this community.